Hey everybody, welcome to Studio HFL. I'm your host, Larry Powell, and thank you for joining me today for another great interview with another terrific guest who today happens to be Wayne Bergeron, and this is HFL 100. The HFL originally, of course, was Higher, Faster, Louder, and it was really about halfway through, right around episode 55, that things changed to Hear From Legends. And that's really what I think, and that's really what I think I'm getting a chance to do these days is to, to chat with true legends within our industry. And I hope you're enjoying these conversations as well as I am. Of course, you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to also watch them on the Studio HFL YouTube channel. The show fans recently stepped up, that's you guys, and got the channel over the 100 subscriber mark. The next goal is to get to 150, and you can certainly help me get there by simply visiting the YouTube channel and subscribing. While you're at it, I'd also encourage you to visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and a review. Also, please follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Studio HFL. And if you haven't signed up yet for the newsletter, you can do that by going to StudioHFL.com. And of course, you'll find out more information on releases and merchandise and guests and uh, other, well, what I would think might be cool things. So here's a huge shout out to my Patreon patrons for their generous support of this show. Your support goes a long way towards helping me to continue working to deliver the best possible end product, and for that, I am extremely grateful. If you would like to become a part of the Studio HFL community, please visit patreon.com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support for which you can choose, each with benefits for becoming a subscriber. And now a word about my show sponsors. Picket Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. There's an incredible line of mouthpieces, both custom and stock, that you can choose from with expert guidance from Eric Marine. And the Blackburn trumpets are the choice of pros like Vince DiMartino and David Hickman. Design, execution, delivery, and customer service driven. Find out more at picketblackburn.com. Brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. Don't forget about options for mouthpiece pouches or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at messinacovers.net. One of the great things about small business is that you get the opportunity to provide exceptional customer service while delivering exceptional products. At Hammond Design, Carl Hammond provides a line of stock mouthpieces for trumpet, cornet, mellophone, trombone, and tuba, and custom orders for all of those plus flugelhorn. All made possible because Carl listens to you and then creates a piece exactly to your specs. Everything is better in HD, and you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. The Eastman Music Company has become a force to be reckoned with by manufacturing and delivering high-quality instruments across the board. Eastman Winds provides a line of brass instruments from beginner to pro, and you know they are invested in the quality of every instrument when they choose the one and only Doc Severinsen to design their beginner trumpet model. Find out more at eastmanwinds.com. S.E. Shires, another division of the Eastman Music Company, offers a complete line of brass instruments for the discerning musician. Custom Orders is where Shires has made their mark but they do have some stock instruments available. Myself, as both an Eastman and a Shires artist, I can attest to the quality of horn in my hands no matter what my performance situation. You can find out more at seshires.com. 
Now, many of you may know Wayne from his work with the Big Fat Band and his movie soundtracks like The Incredibles, Family Guy, and American Dad. And Wayne is also a recent cancer survivor. And in this interview from July 28, 2020, we talk about the cancer, the treatment, and what lies ahead. And now, on to my interview with Wayne Bergeron. Wayne Bergeron, welcome to my uh, podcast, Studio HFL. Glad to have you here. Great to be here, Larry. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, we met, uh, I don't know how many years ago, you came to Butler University and did a, a master class clinic. And um, I, I, believe, I don't know if... I, I believe that's up online, too. It seems like somebody put those up in a five-part series from there. So oh. From years ago, I know. Uh, yeah, I can't remember how long ago that was. But uh, we talked briefly uh, right after that. And I, I always laugh at this part because I usually tell people... You know, I followed you on Facebook for so long. It's like I'm stalking you, right? I have a, you're my one friend on Facebook. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt that. I yeah. doubt that. Um, but, you know, it's it, you're kind of a big deal. My mom always thought so, yeah. She thought yeah. I was a big deal with her. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a while, man, you know, from... You know, from my youth, you know, starting to play, man, I always wanted to do this. And I was ahead of the curve a little bit, you know, as far as some natural ability, man. And I I look over my career, man, and I just I just feel extremely fortunate, man, to have done so many cool things. Well, you know, and, it's, and it's fun, man. And I still am starstruck with players that I work with. And I'm 62 years old and I'm still it's still fun to me, man. It's not it's not work. Well, sometimes it is, but usually it's just. It's just great to be doing this. So. Yeah, but see, that's I think that's the reason you uh, you are people like you so much, right? Because they can tell you're having fun. It is, and, fun, and, yeah. and I know you're you're like every serious trumpet player. You know when you're focused, and you know when it's time to really, uh, you know, you got to put the jokes aside a little bit. But yeah, it looks like you're always having a blast up there. Yeah, no, it is it is fun. But when it's time to uh, you know when the red light goes on, you know. Like being, you know, being, you step up to bat to the plate, you know, and it's got to yeah. hit the ball, you know. Yeah. So I just started working again. Actually, I uh, uh, we did three uh, sessions for uh, for a new Minions movie. Now, you know, because we haven't been able to do this, you know, because right. we put all these people in a room. So, right. We did a brass session, a social distancing uh, brass session. We had nine brass players at Fox, which is a very big sound stage here. Yeah. And uh, and the trumpets were about eight feet apart with plexiglass partitions between us. Wow. We were spread out. Four of us were spread way yeah. up. So it was kind of weird, you know. Right. And all on, our own, all on our own risers with our own trash can and our own hand sanitizer thing. You know, we had to bring our own headphones and right. all of that. Right. You know, and then the trombones were in front of us the same way. And we had plexiglass in front of us. as two, not right close to us, but, and then the two, so we had four bones and two tubas. And all this completely spread across the room. And then on the breaks, they sprayed, you know, they, they basically disinfected the studio all day. Wow. We had to go out a certain door and go in a certain door. And they had, we had a COVID guy there. We had somebody watching us. We get violations. When you weren't playing, you had to be wearing your mask. Even if you're sitting there on a tacit, you know, all divided up, we had to wear a mask. And so, well, better, better safe than sorry. No, no, I, I'm in a complete agreement, you know. Uh, with all of that, of course, you know, I'm just, we're just glad to be working. And if that's, and if we can, right? work like that, if, we, if we can do that and work and work that way, let's abide by the rules so we can work. Cause yeah. Sony and Warner brothers, which are the other two big stages here are closed for the year. 
they don't plan on doing anything. So, wow. So Fox is the only game in town right now to do anything. And uh, so some things have been happening there, and, and uh, which is good. I don't really have much on the books. I've been, uh, I don't know if you know or not. I, I told you about what I went through, right, health-wise here. Yes, and, and actually I, I was going to uh, talk about that here at the beginning because uh, speaking of a big deal, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, when you go to the doctor and uh, you have a lump in your throat and you think it's an infection or something, and then you find out you have cancer, it's a it's a life changing three seconds of saying that, you know. And I was just like, oh my god, you know. I, and it, it, as far as cancers go, uh, it's the cancer to get, you know. It's a it's, it's HPV P sixteen positive squamous cell carcinoma, and it's what Michael Douglas had. Yeah years ago you know he had he was in stage four and and they've yeah. learned a lot about this cancer actually uh where i'm at is stage one basically so oh good but Probably if early. they but if they would have diagnosed me 10 years ago it would have been stage four yeah so that's how much they know about this now it's they have a vaccine for hpv if you have kids they yeah. they've been vaccinated for this yeah and so uh uh it's very high success rate of curability you know, yeah. the mouthpiece maker, Terry Warburton, he had this. Uh, well, I, I talked to Terry yesterday, as oh, a matter of fact. So you guys I probably did. talked about this a and, little bit. And in fact, he said, you know, Wayne called me and asked me, hey, what do I, what should I expect, I guess, you know, from uh, chemo or radiation treatments? Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think he said he just cleared the three-year mark. Yeah, he just did. I talked to him so, the day he did it and congratulated him. So, yeah. but he went through, uh, you know, he's a tough cowboy, man. Yeah, so, that's so an understatement. <laughs> I've known him. I've known him since I was about twenty-one because I was working yeah. on cruise ships in Fort Lauderdale, and he was there, and that's how I met him originally. So yeah. we've known each other for a long, long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, you know, Terry. You know, when you do chemo, you know, the first chemo, uh, you know, they in in the in the IV they put you know nausea medications, and then you take nausea medications, you know, for the next two days after that. Then it's as needed. Right, I've called Zofran as the uh, generic name for it, and uh, and I asked Terry. He goes, "Well, I never took the nausea medication." I'm going, "What?" And he goes, "Oh no, I never just never felt I never needed it." He goes, "I just you know I drove two hours to my appointments myself." Well, let me tell you something. When I started doing, my wife drove me to every appointment. I had to go yeah. thirty days in a row, you know, for radiation, and, and then yeah. then uh, chemo was every three weeks. So it was a really strong dose of chemo because it had the last three weeks. Yeah, and it uh. By day three or four, it got my attention. And I can't even imagine not taking the nausea medication. I mean, I took, I just did what they said to do. You know, of course, I'm just going to follow the rules. They say to take sure. it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it doesn't really make you not sick. It just keeps a lid on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you feel pretty horrible. But, you know, it was the, the just, the, I'll tell you the story of my first week. because It was kind of gruesome and I might as well just share it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Please. Um, uh they told me, you know, radiation burns two to 3,000 calories a pop. So you have to eat a lot I of I didn't know anything like that. I yeah, didn't realize have, that. I, I'm down 35 pounds from, wow. you know, from, so, which I don't recommend this diet. No. By, by no. any means. But, <laughs> so, so the first week, I didn't know what to expect. So Dan Frenero, I don't know if you know Dan or not. I he's do. One of my colleagues yeah. here and a great, great trumpet player and very, very good friend of mine. Yeah. And uh, we do many gigs together. We have a good one-two punch together. You know, it's <laughs> just one of those guys I love to play with. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and he was bringing me, you know, when we found out I had to eat, he brought me like some of his homemade mac and cheese, <laughs> like a big batch of it. 
And then as we went on, as I got, became more difficult for me to eat, he was making, bringing me soup every week. I mean, he mm-hmm. just really took care of me. Um, but so then, so those first two days, so I had his mac and cheese, which was awesome, you know, and, and, uh, and then I had, you know, I'm a big fan of Lou Malnati's pizza from Chicago. So I oh had my deliver. gosh. Right. <laughs> so I have him delivered. I have him delivered here. So I had a pizza that night. So I'm eating all this binding food. Monday, uh, Monday, Tuesday. Well, Wednesday Uh-oh. hits, and you know, and this stuff all causes severe constipation. So I'm not going to go into the gory details, but it was an ugly week, man. Mm. And I got really sick, and I was in extreme pain, mm. and uh, like I lost 12 pounds. Then the next wow. week, you know, it subsides, and you do better, and you know, the radiation stuff doesn't really start kicking in until like week three. So I felt okay yeah. those next couple of weeks. You know, not great. You're tired. Like sitting at the computer like this, I'd be, I'd last five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, okay, I got to take a break. You know. Yeah. So I was ready for that when I did the next chemo, and they also changed my medication in there. I told them, you know, what a hard time I had. So they put this stuff called Emend, whatever that means, but it mended me. It was yeah. a lot. It was a lot better. Yeah. And then I ate way differently those two days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is <laughs> What is not square, no square food, <laughs> right. foods that are easy right. to digest, of course. So I, right. I, uh, I did that, and uh, and it was way way easier. But then, you know, as that week went on, the uh, side effects from the radiation started kicking in. The radiation, the way it works, is uh, uh, like you don't just do one radiation and it's done, and the next one. That first radiation is like a pebble in a stream, and it keeps affecting you for days. And the next rate one's coming in, so. That's why when you're done with 35 radiation treatments, you're not just done. It's it's a six to eight week healing process. And yeah. by the end of this, your throat's really, really messed up. And it's it's like going in the sun for three hours a day without sunblock on. So your face and your neck get very, very sunburned. But it's also like taking your throat and turning it inside out and holding it up to the sun for three hours a day. That gets really... So, so you, yeah, get, you get mouth yeah, how do you? Yeah, how do you even eat? How do you how do you swallow? Well, with- some people don't. Some people have to get a feeding tube. And and I was scheduled in week five on the Tuesday. I was scheduled for a feeding tube because we just set it up in case you need it. And people are different, and not everybody needs it, and we all react differently to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so on Thursday, the the Thursday before that, I asked my radiation oncologist, and they like to say everybody's different. They, that's mm-hmm. their default, so they don't have to answer any questions. Right. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I want your professional opinion as seeing hundreds and hundreds of my case. Um, how do I look like I'm doing to you? And I was doing pretty good in, in a week before. I mean, my throat was sore and stuff, but yeah. I was pretty healthy and I was still eating and I'm eating softer foods when I'm doing, I'm eating, you know, I'm eating cereal in the morning and I'm eating soup mm-hmm. and, you know, and all that. I'm not eating pizza, but <laughs> I'm eating right. and, uh, and he goes, well, everybody's in. I go, nope, you're not allowed to say that. I just told him that. And he goes, uh, he goes, well, you know, it's really your call. I just said, well, how do you? And he goes, well, I would say you're doing very well. And I said, matter of fact, you're, and you're in the upper percentile of people doing very well. I go, do Good. I need this feeding tube? He goes, well, that's your decision. Everybody's different. I go, no, 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 no. I want your professional <laughs> opinion. I go, I know it's my decision. I realize that. But I want you to look yep. at me because you... I lost you for a second. Are you My there? back? My back? Uh, audio. There you are. There you I'm are. Back. Okay, I'm back. So, and he said, I don't think you need it. I go, all right, I'm going to cancel it. And so I canceled it and I, and I didn't need it because it would have caused 
it's it would put me in the hospital overnight with all this COVID stuff going on, which I didn't want to do. And uh, and then I would have had to get up after being in the hospital and getting put to sleep and getting nausea from that. Then I would have had to go in for radiation the next day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and my throat was sore at that point. So it would have really been a nightmare. And then also the healing of the feeding tube because it goes in through your navel. Oh, right. That would have been weeks and weeks before I could play. So I played um, as far as playing. So any, anyway, to back up, I, I'm the poster child for recovery. Yeah, good. Basically. So good. I'm not even a month out of my radiation yet. And the stuff's still affecting me. My throat's still got stuff going on. But I'm playing, and I did this recording session, actually, which I didn't really feel like I was ready for. But somehow, I got in there, mm-hmm. man, and I and I got through it. I hadn't played a high G in in three months, and I had to hit a high G on this thing. And I was, I told my colleagues, I mean, I don't know if I can pull this off, and and yeah. I have, you know, they, they they could all probably hit a high G, but I'm kind of a commercial guy. They're all the legit players, you know, but. Right. John Lewis could have pulled it off, you know, or Rob Schilling, yeah. but, but they, uh, as I was ready for one of them to cover it, you know, for me, but we did it as an overdub because they wanted it separate. And I just somehow got it. I just, I got it, man. I, I couldn't believe it, you know, and I got a big round mm. of applause. And I was like, please don't make me do that again. I was going to say, yeah, no take two, right? <laughs> and, it, and it, uh, it hurt, but you know, I kind of just like adrenaline. So, there wasn't anything that high the rest of the dates. There was some stuff to play. I mean, it was, you know, playing yeah. high C hurts. Right. So there was a lot of stuff to play, but fortunately I had, uh, John Lewis was co-principal. And so he played, I had him play some piccolo stuff and, and, uh, and some intervallic solos, which I was, you know, I had, we're just all out of shape and I'm really out of shape. Yeah. And, you know, going, you know, it was, not going to really come out as stellar as I would like to play it. And, you know, John lives this, you know, kind of stuff. And so he played it great, of course. So we were a good team. And, and, uh, so I got, I got through all of that and, uh, and I'm four weeks out and I'm not a hundred percent, but most people at this point would, are still, you know, using the feeding tube and forgot how to swallow Mm -hmm. and have to go to swallow therapy and speech therapy. So I'm very fortunate that way, and I didn't have to, uh, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't have to have surgery. Yeah, because the tumor was out um, growing. I had uh, kidney cancer back in 2016. Oh my God, I'm sorry. And well, thank you. Did you lose the kidney, or did they take I, it out of? I did. It oh, was yeah. the tumor okay. was right in the middle of the kidney, so my they friend, had to take. My, I'm sorry to interrupt. My friend Milas Yost from Arizona just went through this. Yeah, they had to take the kidney out because in the middle of the thing, and you're obviously okay. I am. I'm cancer free at the moment, but you know, uh, radiation and chemo are not an option really for kidney cancer because right. it would just it would just destroy it. Right, uh, right, right. So, uh, but yeah, they went in through the navel and uh, they used the Da Vinci thing. So you know, yeah, yeah. as non-invasive as as you can can get, but you know, I remember being off the horn for I think it was 17 days and I was just itching to get back to it. But you know, when you play with compression, you're, you're, you're trying to, to, to play with that, that big sound. It was like, okay, um, I can play, but I'm not going up. <laughs> I'm not going to do any of that stuff. For yeah. A while. I had my uh, appendix taken out in 2004 and, uh, it's when we were doing the Incredibles. Oh my god! Incredibles. Yeah. And 
I remember just, and I had laparoscopic, but I had three incisions. I had three stab mm-hmm. wounds. And I remember trying to play about, I tried to play like four days after that. And I hit a C in the staff. And it's amazing how much that area of your body is working. Yeah. Because a C yeah. in the staff, just like, I was like, oh my God, it just hurt like hell. So hitting a high C. Yeah. But then as uh, I was a couple of weeks out and we did the Incredibles and I actually wore a weight belt Oh. You know, one of those, one of those straps, yeah. those, those, those yeah. things you can tighten up. And I put a roll yeah. of socks on the incision that hurt the most on the left to put compression on it. And I tightened up and I crossed my legs like this <laughs> when I played the high stuff. And then I yeah. could do, I mean, chops felt fine, Yeah, you know, but that's how I played that movie. And then I got called to do a Ray Charles uh, tune on, uh, I forget which record it was on. It wasn't uh it, it wasn't Genius Lifts Company. It was uh, mm-hmm. the one after that. It was a horn section mm-hmm. tune. And I asked, well, how high is this? This was actually before The Incredible. Oh. And he goes, oh, it only goes to high C. And I go, who's the other trumpet? They said, Gary Grant. I go, oh, great. <laughs> nice. So we get there. Yeah, so if, it's if three you're... pages of high Cs. I mean, oh, it's, just, it's a staying around high C, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I so I've got the weight belt on and I'm playing. And then they asked if I could play something up. There was one thing they wanted to get like a double C stab. It's like, she right. bow! And I said, oh, shit, I don't know. <laughs> you know? And I, and I got, and I got it and it hurt like hell, man. And I'm just one note, fortunately. But I had to stop. I said, we got to take a break. And I actually drew blood on my stomach. Oh my gosh. Actually drew blood. So, yeah, so I know that feeling you're talking about from, it doesn't take much of an incision in no. your gut. Yeah, to realize how much we use a core of our body to play the trumpet. Yeah, you know it's not well, all, if you're, all this and this. It's like you're using your from the waist up. You're using your body pretty well. Yeah, yeah. If your doctor had known that, <laughs> they probably would have would have given me a good. Well, they told me I could play. They go, "It's how much pain can you take?" They say you're not going to hurt anything. That's what they told me. But I did draw blood. I'm, I told them that. And they go, "Oh, maybe you are going to hurt something." <laughs> Oh my gosh! It was okay though. It was it was all yeah, fine, you know? yeah. Well, how did you you said you uh, had a lump on your throat? Um, yeah. But how long was it there before you decided to have it checked out? Well, probably longer than I should have waited because I remember it was just a small thing and and uh, what the fuck is that? You know, I didn't know there was some kind of like weird uh, calcium buildup or something. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, so I was at Midwest. You know, when I was kind of noticing it most in, in December and I was talking to Chad Shuby, he goes, oh, you better get that checked out. So I went in late February and got it checked out. And I said, I guess probably some kind of plug gland or something, you know, and uh, maybe it's infected. So they put me in antibiotics and for 10 days and I did that. Then it didn't, you know, didn't help. So they decided to do a biopsy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they went down and they looked, they put a camera down my nose and you know, and this thing, and they took a snippet of it because it was on my tongue, the base of my tongue oh. down here, growing outward. And uh, they numbed me up. It was really uncomfortable. I wasn't expecting to get yeah. that done that day. I was expecting to say, oh, you're yeah. fine, you know. And they took a biopsy, and anyway, it came back positive a couple of days later. Then I had to go in for a scan, you know, a couple of scans, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sure enough, confirmed what I had. And yeah. uh, But like I said, it's very curable in the, up in the you know, 95% success rate with this yeah. cancer. So it's and my timing couldn't have been better 
because the business was shut down. The COVID yeah. thing had just kicked in. I mean, I yeah. can't imagine. I would have been going nuts if I was here not being able to play. Right. And all this work going on. You know, I would just been going because you're out of sight, out of mind, man. All of a sudden, you're left in the dust. And even though I'm a fairly established player here, there's no guarantees. Right. In this business for anybody. Right. You know, there's a lot of great players here that do this. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think that I'm really special and not the only one, but we didn't get it done without me. <laughs> you know, that's just the fact of the matter, you know. So, yeah. out of sight, out of mind. And, and they may look at you like damaged goods after that. You know, so it's, it's kind of scary. So it worked out, man. The timing couldn't be better. I mean, I was working a little bit at the beginning of this mm-hmm. at, at home. We were doing remote sessions. I play on Family Guy and American Dad. And so Walter Murphy, the composer of those shows, he always does. He does big orchestra mock-ups anyway for Seth and the producers to hear. Seth McFarland uh, and to hear and the producers. Right. And then we go in and we record with a 45-piece orchestra at Fox every few weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. And... uh so he has the mock-ups already, and they sound, you know, fairly convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Seth likes, you know, Seth's a purist. He won't, you know, he wants the mortgage, which is awesome, you know, because it keeps us all working. And yeah, and uh, it's been a long, ongoing thing for me. You know, I came in on midway through, and I've been doing it for nine years. You know, has so, it been going that long? Oh yeah, it's been going longer than that. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So, well, you know, that's one of those, and not to change too much, but I think that's one of the reasons that I like those shows so much. Uh, is not for the the moral purity <laughs> of those shows, but the music is great. You know, yes, I mean, sir, it is. Man. Yeah, Walter Murphy writes all this great stuff every week, even the little short things. Every once in a while, we get to do a song mm-hmm. or something, you know, and it's it's really really awesome. But we, you know, because of this, they got to get these shows done. So like, I'm the first trumpet player, and Alan Kaplan's first trombone player. Dan Higgins is one of the woodwind players. So and Bernie Dressel's the drummer, and uh, uh, you know, Dominic is a bass player on the, you know, the plays the electric. So we're doing them from home. So he sends me the tracks with everything on them. I'm the last thing to go on that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he sends me the charts. I print them out. I load all those, I load all the cues in and make separate Pro Tools sessions here. I'm glad I do this. Right. Because I've been doing this for a while. So I was ahead of the curve with the home studio thing where a lot of people were scrambling to, yeah. to try to get logic or something and learn. And I've, I've been doing this for few years now yeah. so i i got it down i've got really nice gear and, mm-hmm. and i've got a nice little setup here so so i got to get in there and i get to do i do all three trumpet parts and he pays me for my studio and oh, actually nice. make a lot more money than i make for getting up and <laughs> driving all the way to fox and going through security and you know and uh, yeah. uh not that i want to sit here and be greedy you know i've actually yeah. offered you know to hey maybe one, one of the other guys that are set up to do this do the next one right you know but yeah. he said, no, 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 it's working great with you. I'm just going to, so. Well, you can pace yourself too on that, right? I mean, it's not like if you're in the studio, and I did this actually recently here in the Indianapolis studio, um, where uh, I was playing first the, the whole morning session. And then the afternoon session, the last two hours, um, they had they just wanted one trumpet player to stay, but I had to record all three parts. Right. You know, so it's not like you get to lay out on the second pass, you know, if they're doing a second for the strings. Right. It's like, okay, now I got, and then I got to do the third pass. And it's like, it starts to, it starts to wear you out just a little yeah. bit. Well, fortunately, Family Guy is usually pretty easy. It's usually just mostly flugelhorn, 95% flugelhorn. 
which is awesome. American Dad is all trumpet. Could be more yeah. difficult. And it's more is more legit than you know. Yeah. There's military stuff and marches and you know it's a little little more. Uh, yeah. More difficult. Uh, so but yes, it, yes, it was easy. You know. I'm curious. You know, you see these big film uh, recording sessions with the movie going on behind you. You guys are. Is it the same thing with the the cartoon series? Yeah. Yeah, we always have. You know, we don't hear the dialogue. Uh, hmm. Sometimes he'll play us a dialogue. He goes, you guys, I have to listen to this. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's so funny. You know, he'll explain right. what's happening before, and then we'll, we'll yeah. turn around and all watch and laugh, you know. Yeah. But usually the dialogue is off, and then uh, we hear our eight clicks or four clicks, depending on what we're getting in, and we play, and they make notes. It's, it, it's, it's like a well-oiled machine. We get there. When it hits 10 o'clock, we're ready to go. We mm-hmm. go, all right, let me uh, – we play the first cue down. All together, he goes. All right, let me hear those strings. And they hear the strings. They go. Let me hear the rhythm section. Let me hear the French horns. Let's hear the trumpets. Boom. Then we do it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they get all biggish, tweak the balances a little bit. That I means the same people doing it, so they kind of sure. get it down. And then we do one or two takes on everything and are done. We start again. Yeah. Usually done in an hour and a half, and we're there for three hours. Sometimes we go the distance and just yeah for the technical problem or something. Yeah. But, Walter's fast, we're fast, and it's just like, let's go, let's get it done. It gives them more time Good. to get Yeah. You said go the distance, and it made, it, I immediately thought of Hercules. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Did, but, did you play that one? I did not play on that movie. I played on the uh, cartoon series, though. I played ah, on Hercules, the cartoon okay, series, okay. And, and, I, and I played on Buzz Lightyear, the cartoon series. Okay. Yeah, that Hercules, that's that's a great soundtrack. Yeah, Rick Baptist played, played first on that. He's, you know, yeah. he's the vice president of the union now, so he's retired just from playing, yeah. but... But uh, he played first trumpet on that. I'm pretty sure. When did he retire? Uh, it's five years now, maybe. Really? Is he playing at all? Uh, he might be playing for fun and just practicing. You know. Yeah. You know, he loved to play the trumpet. You know, so. Yeah. So, uh, but he's vice president of the union. It's conflict of interest. You know, he's making a good salary. Oh yeah. And uh, and also, I think he just felt like it was just, it was time for him. You know, going going out of the business. You know, while you can still play well. Yeah. Instead of going out on a whimper, you know, where yeah. you're struggling and, you know, so a lot of people hang on for a long time, like orchestral yeah. players, you know, they got tenure and, right. and they can't play anymore. I, I mean, I don't want to go out like I want to go. Yuan Racy just decided one day, I'm retiring. It's time for somebody else to do this. Yeah. And, he, you know, and we only remember him as the greatest trumpet player ever. Well, and not just that, but anytime his name has come up, it's not just, you know, about his, his trumpet playing, but it's about what a genuinely nice guy he was. Cool, coolest most spiritual spiritual uh if there's angels on this earth he was one of them wow he -hmm. is that and you won't hear anybody say anything different yeah this guy did not want to hear your excuses either i took a couple of them we got to be very good friends at the end of his life i emceed his uh memorial oh and my band played wow he put that he wanted that one of my band to play, and then we had all these different guests. I had Chuck Finley and Bob Finley. And oh my gosh! And Carl Saunders play all featured. You know, we had all the, and we had trumpet ensemble play, and Malcolm McNabb did the second movement of the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto, the slow movement. <laughs> and uh, they showed all these great videos, man, and it was just. It was That's really, a celebration. Yeah. Right? So we were. So we were. We got to be good friends, but. Johan Racy didn't want to hear excuses. This guy had polio his whole life, and he he roofed his own house and poured his own driveway. He figured a way to get out of the roof so he could roof his house. So he didn't oh want gosh. to hear your excuses why you didn't practice or why mm. you couldn't 
do this. There's a funny story that a friend of mine uh, who works at Disneyland out here. And uh, matter of fact, he took my spot at Disneyland like 35 years ago, you know, <laughs> whenever it was or 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, he's still there. Tim Rubottom. He used to study with you on and he showed up uh, late two weeks in a row. And you is the nicest guy. Like, Yo, how you doing, though? So he showed up late for the second week, <clears throat> and you on and greeted him at the door. Oh, come on, let's go, Tim. You ready to go? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, I'm sorry. I'm late. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. They sit down, and he goes, have you played yet today? And he goes, no. He goes, okay, good. Let's go to Clark number two here, and let's start uh, Start with G on top of the staff here. Pianist Samoan, I want you to give me two times through in one breath slow. You ready? Put the bedroom on. He chipped it. No, no, no. Start again. Play with reverence. Now he hasn't played a note yet. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go up a half step. <laughs> now we're going to go up another half step. And he kept taking him up a half step until he was at C and going up the high G and he's sweating, man, and the spit's coming out the side. And you once said, do not be late again. <laughs> he's probably not late again. And he's probably warmed up. Yeah. Right? When not, he shows up. Do not be late again. And, wow. uh, and that was quite a lesson. You know, Ralph Sauer did that to a student who was a bass mm-hmm. bonus in the LA Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. The student showed up late and he was waiting for him out front. And he goes, you got my check? Goes, well, well, yeah, yeah, I got it. Let me park. Because you got the check, right? He goes, well, you can be the check. And he handed him the check and he goes, don't be late. First lesson, don't be late. I'll see you next week. That's your first lesson. Oh. <laughs> and he, did, he didn't teach him. Wow. So you learn very quickly if that happens, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm thinking uh, with uh, like the Cash App or Venmo these days, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Make that transfer. Yeah. You know, can't hand them the check, but. Actually, um, uh, I, I, uh, I mean, I can never be that mean to anybody, you know. I mean, I've been hard on a few students that aren't taking care of business, you know. Mm-hmm. But usually my line to them is usually, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just good nice. I'm trying to be encouraging. But I'll just say, especially if I get a hot shot over here, if I get some hot shots, you know, I'll just say, I'm assuming you're not here for me to tell you how great you sound on everything, right? Just Does that happen? Yeah. Well, I just tell them that. I, that yeah. You're not here for me to tell you how great you sound. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm here to help you. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And then we'll start playing. I Usually, you know, I, I teach some fundamentals if they, I feel like they're having problems. But usually I just teach music. Mm-hmm. I play music with a work on style, especially if it's somebody that can play. Right. So I'll put a couple of big band charts in front of them and and I'll play, I'll let them play lead and I'll play second, then I'll play first and they'll play second. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have them play it by themselves and I'll say, um, would you like me to tell you how great that sounded or would you like you to tell me everything that was wrong with it? And so I go through and I tell them everything that was wrong with it. I go, mm-hmm. all right, first note, you shortchanged. When you went from this note to this note, you shortchanged that note, took the swing feel out of it. You're rushing this, uh, this note's flat consistently. Over the part of their let's try it again with that in mind. Mm-hmm. And then I get a pencil, I'd mark everything they did wrong and mm-hmm. put a slur if I needed to to get them to not do that and try to fix the. I, it's amazing how many people go like, well, short change in note. Like, for instance, I'll go, Babo do that. They'll go, Babo do that. Oh, right. Short change that note to make sure they hit the top note. Whereas I, you know, I, do that. You got to blow through. That note doesn't go away. You shouldn't right. see space. You know, if you see a big interval, it's hard not to leave some space. But even then, you want to, you want, you don't want to go ba 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 da da. Yeah. <laughs> you go ba ba do da. That note yeah. is important. 
So that's a problem, a common problem I find with with young players, even mm-hmm. college level. Mm-hmm. And it and it and even though they're playing good time, it takes away from the swing feel. All of a sudden, it stops swinging because they do that. Yeah, you know. So I work. That's I work on a lot of stuff like that. The students yeah. is, uh, and, and, and that's I feel like that's where my wheelhouse is. You know, I. You know, I'm not the greatest technical trumpet player of all time, you know, or teacher by any means, you know. So I know what to give them to solve problems. I'm a good problem solver, but yeah. there's teachers that are very good at all that stuff. You know, here's your prescription. Do this, 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 and this. Yeah. See, that's, uh, you know, Vince Martino, I think, is one of the one of the most gifted people who can actually <clears throat> not just tell you musically, but then he can tell you physically what to do. He is a bright dude. That guy knows a lot of stuff. Yeah. And is a good, great guy as well. When I went through, I had a cyst on my lip years ago. I went through a couple of tragedies, and I had to stop playing for six weeks Mm -hmm. to let it go away. And, man, he contacted me out of the blue. I didn't really know him, you know. Mm -hmm. And, man, he sent me all this literature and and just helped me so much. We've remained friends since then, of course, you know. Yeah. And he sent me all the recordings that he's done and stuff. And I heard his recording of that five episodes for Trumpet and Brass Choir that Alamazudi and Jeff Isaac did. I don't know if you've ever heard that. No, I haven't. But Doc played it live at the New York Brass Conference, you know, way back when and just crushed it. Of course he did. You know, I mean, it's hard, man. This is a hard. This is not for the squeamish, mm-hmm. <laughs> this thing, you know. And man, his might be the best recording I've ever heard. Wow. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's a studio recording. Doc's is sure. live and it's great. Doc's getting tired during the last, the fourth movement, mm-hmm. and he talks a whole bunch between the fourth and fifth movement. Yeah. He, talks, he makes all these jokes, and he talks about how, you know, you'll never find a more forgiving audience than the trumpet audience. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and he goes, and they know what's happening. They never hear on your mustache. He had everybody laughing, and he talked for five minutes, and then he played the last movement and crushed it. Mm. And played a high <laughs> A on the end. I mean, it's like really... I, I wish I had the recording of that. It's out there somewhere, man. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's one of the most spectacular things I've ever heard. This is just a quick sponsor break to remind you to check out Messina Covers for great custom case options, Eastman Winds and SE Shires for exceptional quality from the professional model to the beginner, Hammond Design for their incredible HD experience, and of course, Pickett Blackburn, providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. Now back to my interview with Wayne Bergeron. It's one of the most spectacular things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Uh, Have you heard, speaking of uh, Doc, have you heard the Lost Tapes that Uh, he just put out? I don't think I have. I'll I'll send you a link to that when we're done here. Uh, I have some some interesting Doc stuff that you probably don't have. I'll send you on it. I have him doing a bunch of clinics. Oh, I'd love that. Before the Tonight Show and all that. Like when he's young. Doing yeah. master classes and stuff, yeah. and playing, and sounds pretty pretty great. <laughs> well, he he was still sounding great. You know, I, I think he's he's done performing, uh, but I think he's still practicing every day. I don't think he'll. That's not he'll what he tells me, man. I he called me in you know, my cancer thing. We talked. Yeah, about yeah. We've gotten to be friends over the years, and and uh, he wanted for ITG. Now this was a year ago. He called me, and for ITG, that's going to be was going to be out here. Goes wait. He goes. I want to do a big trumpet thing, big trumpet ensemble. And he goes, you know, the guys to get. And I want you to put it together. And I want it to be the end all. I want to have something written as the end all piece. And he goes, if I can play, I'm going to play on it. And if I if I can't, I'm going to conduct it. And if I'm not here, he goes, you got to play my part. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh, I could just like, you know, he was looking, you know, he was 92 years old at the time. Right. He's going, if I'm alive, I want to do this. Yeah. You know, that's just yeah. what he is. That's just the guy he is. Man. Yeah. He loves to play the trumpet. We played on this when he was almost 90 years old. We did a concert in L.A. and I put the band together for him. I've got to do that twice now. Wow. And, uh, and man, he was just great, man. He, especially the second half. He struggled the first half just a tiny bit. And I was walking on the stage with him and I go, God, God, good energy. And he goes, well, I'll trade some energy for some better notes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> And then he, he went into the stairwell and he practiced the whole break and was hitting high F sharps and G's. And then he came out and crushed the second half. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like he's got to be beat up to really be sounding good. Yeah. And anyway, he's like just a complete inspiration and, and possibly. This is just a quick sponsor break to remind you to check out Messina Covers for great custom case options. Eastman Winds and S.E. Shires for exceptional quality from the professional model to the beginner model. Hammond Design for their incredible HD experience, and of course, Pickett Blackburn, providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. Now, back to today's guest. Just a complete inspiration, and, and possibly, you know, it's hard to say this, but possibly the greatest sound from the bottom of the top of the horn I've ever heard. There's there's a, uh, I agree with you, but there's there's a recording on YouTube and I don't know if, it, I can't remember if it's MacArthur Park or Malaguena, but he comes out. And, of course, he starts way oh, yeah. up high, just sizzles, and plays all the way down to low F sharp. And it's I, like, I, know the, I know the thing you're talking about. Holy cow, right? I mean, that's not fair. <laughs> that know? little lick that he plays at the beginning of MacArthur Park, it is again, he goes, he goes, Yeah. I know that lick. I can play that lick. Yeah. Matter of fact, I play it in my... I have a tune that I do a cadenza on. Uh, uh, this you go to my head chart, and if I'm feeling good, you know I have a I have a standard cadenza that I kind of play on it. That's right. you know always accessible to me, you know, no matter how I'm feeling, you know. Yeah. But if I'm feeling good, I'll do belly do da wee, boo da wee, da 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 and then I go, <laughs> you know, and then I play my last note, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've only done it a few times where I've really felt like, because I'm usually doing that tune four tunes in and I'm pretty beat up. Yeah. But if I'm feeling my own, it's all, but it's yeah. that lick. It's that little, <laughs> it's, the, it's the little uh, diminished. You know, you've inspired a lot of, a lot of trumpet players, but there's one that I think is just uh, going gangbusters. Uh, Louis Dowdiswell. He's my trumpet son. What what a talent. And the thing is, he doesn't even look like he's working, right? You know, all these videos he puts together. And I kind of yeah. wonder, you know, I know he's not faking it. And he's probably well, he's faking just it that in efficient. The, in, in the video. In the videos, he is. But he is that efficient. Yeah. He's probably playing along, so it looks like he's playing. Yeah. But there's he did a concert in Dallas with that uh, rebel jazz band, you know, that mm-hmm. does those things. That, mm-hmm. And he plays that whole record from top to bottom live. Oh, my gosh. And you got to watch it, man. He's out front conducting the band, and he just—he can play every note, man. He's—it's—the yeah. guy, guy has no joke. Yeah. And beside, I mean, we're very good friends, man. He's—he truly is my trumpet son, man. Because when he was fifteen, I heard him online, man, and we started talking. I said, "Man, dude," and he said, "You're the first lead trumpet player I ever heard, man." He goes, "Big fat band's the first big band." <laughs> so he had my mouthpiece and my horn and and all of that, you know. And uh, and we be- I went to I played a concert in London and him and his parents came to the and his sister they came to the gig and we met and yeah we hung out 
And, uh, and then he came out here. I said, well, he wanted to come to LA. So he came out and stayed with my wife and I for two, two weeks. Oh, fun. When he was 18, I think at that, that point, maybe. And then he came out again, like, not last year, New Year, the New Year's before him and his fiance is married now. Mm-hmm. But we're good friends. I mean, and he's, he has showed me so much. I mean, I could record, but he showed me so much about the recording process. I go, Louie, because he's, he's, got, he's got a studio now. Uh-huh. I mean, he rents a space. He's got drums uh-huh. and piano in there, and he's, you know, he's full blown producer now. And, right. uh, and he's, you know, so I said, just tell me what to buy and tell me what you're doing, and I'll do the same thing. Uh-huh. So I, I just kind of mimic what he does here for the most part, anyway. You know, not exactly, but, but, right. uh, you know, I've learned a lot, a lot from him. He was out here not too long ago. Um, they did uh, him and Callum, the guy that writes all his charts. Callum Al that does all the music was a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, they came out here. They did some singers project. Great charts. Oh yeah, he produced a singers record with strings and there's big band stuff. And so they're out here mastering in L.A. So we got to hang out mm-hmm. a little bit. And this record mm-hmm. is just magnificent. The string record with the vocal band. It's their string mm-hmm. writing is off the charts and the big band stuff. Louis has a double high D in there, man. It's just like <laughs> you know, it's just like look out, man. So yeah. I'm you know. I like to take a little, you know, I'd love to take credit for all his uh, accolades, but, you know, it makes me feel good that somewhere along the way I was an inspiration for him. Yeah. He's grabbed that and gone to the next level. And, you know, because I think, you know, uh, I'm very flattered that he wants to sound like me. And my wife always kind of questions, it sounds fucking exactly like you. <laughs> Even when we practiced here together, she goes, I couldn't yeah. tell who was who. Oh, wow. Like we're playing routine back and forth, you know, and yeah, stuff. And yeah. She goes, you sound nice because I didn't know who was who. You sound the same. Uh-huh. Now I do think I, he's finding his own voice. Uh-huh. You know, because I hear him, you know, he's he's gone to this other thing, man, where he's yeah. he's got a great sound, man. You know, you just got, it's got core and it's, it's you know, it's when I, I'm, I'm striving to be like Doc, you know, I want to kind of sound like that. You know, we all, that's a good place. That's a good bar. Yes. Try to get all those overtones in your sound so you don't sound like a thin lead player, you know. You got body. And I, I always think that like a, like what Michael Sachs sounds like. Yeah, yeah. You know, he sounds like a lead trumpet player to me. He just got all the color in the sound. Yeah. He's a classical trumpet player, but that's the sound to have, no matter you what know, kind of music you're playing. I, I did my second interview with him last week. Yeah. And uh, I actually asked him, I said, uh, you know, uh, when you have pop stuff, you bring in somebody like Joey or Wayne, you know, Joey Tartell. And uh, he goes, yeah, occasionally because, but I kind of like to play some of that stuff myself, you know, yeah. it's like, which is great because, you know, a lot of times the principal trumpet player, you know, they kind of want to they want protect. To, yeah. They don't want to to work real hard like that. Right. And the chops right. Up. But he plays like, I'm telling you, man, I've always just thought there's no, when they say dark or bright or brilliant, brilliant's a better word. Yeah. That doesn't apply to any style of music because there is very dark sounding orchestral for trumpet. There's very bright sounding, and I and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean the full. They're able to change their sound, right? right. And it always has the full spectrum of sound in it. It right. might go this way or this way a little bit. Yeah. And I think that he's one of those kind of players. Yeah. I think somebody that just sounds dark all the time, even though it may sound beautiful, it doesn't cover the full palette of colors yeah or somebody that just bright it's just just bright 
you know. I mean, it may work and it works, you know, but yeah. having that, like Doc has that in the sound and Mike has that in the sound too. Chris Martin has that in the sound. I played with him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We did, you know, this West Side Story movie together. I was flying back and forth to New York. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the New York Philharmonic, but I they brought me in a guitar player out. So when we were playing America, I'm going, going back and forth. I went into the booth and listened. It sounds like one person. Nice. So he's, <laughs> and I'm cranking, man. I'm going full bore, you know. Right. Bergeron, you know, yeah. loud. Yeah. He's matching me, you know. Yeah. And so... uh uh, anyway, it's that uh, it's that drum corps background, right? I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you know, you know, you know. He went to drum corps when it was, they were a lot smarter. I was there when it was a bunch of thugs, you know, and, and it was just all about blasting. It took me years to get rid of my drum corps sound, you know. Yeah, but Chris well, and his brother both, you know, are beautiful players, you know, and and uh, but Chris is a besides being just a great human being, man. He's uh, when I came out, you know, you. The first time I played West Side Story to picture at a live concert was with Phil Smith mm-hmm. there. Oh, wow. So you talk about being as nervous as a hooker in church, you know, <laughs> sitting next to Phil Smith, between Phil Smith yeah. and Joel Essie, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was, and then the next time I dated Chris, was this Chris's first gig with New York Philharmonic. So, but because of that relationship, mm-hmm. when they did the movie and they decided they were going to do it in New York, I got brought out to play again and you know nice. I, I feel kind of weird going into somebody else's backyard you know like, mm-hmm. if there's plenty of great players in new york you know that have played west side story the movie is right. very different than the show though in many yeah. ways yeah. a lot of it's the same but there's some, a lot of different stuff really much more difficult mm-hmm. and uh but i felt like because i know these people because i played with them so we're friends you know so i felt extremely welcome and mm-hmm. and dudamel conducted and it was you know just which is freaking awesome man it's a it's, it's kind of the highlight of my career I, wow. I mentioned another podcast. It's really a special moment for me because I got to come in there and get treated like you know, I came over with the with the team, you know. So I'm not just a hired musician by the contractor. Right. I'm coming over there and I'm flying over first class and I'm staying wherever I want to stay. And if you know, it's nice to get you know as musicians, you know, we get treated very nice sometimes. Most of the time, we're just yeah. <laughs> my wife, when I got back, said you still have to take out the trash. Okay, so just get. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt like such a, you know, uh, not a big shot for lack of a better term. But I, I felt yeah. important and, and to have, you know, all these important people and getting to and sitting there in this great trumpet section and this great orchestra, man. Yeah. Like, I felt like, man, I'm not worthy to be here, man. I'm so lucky. I mean, I just felt just, like I said, I'm still starstruck by things, man, and the people I get to play with every day here, man. I, I just can't <laughs> believe it to do this. Well, you know? I, I can uh, I can identify a, a tiny bit because doing these interviews, right, is the chance to sit down. And, and I know most of the people. I, I mean, I've at least met them somewhere along the way. But uh, I've gotten nervous. In fact, uh, the, the, uh, it was an interview I did a couple of weeks ago, uh, Carol Reinhardt. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, legendary. Yeah. Right. And an amazing trumpet player. But I think I got more nervous about interviewing her than I did Sergey, you know, wow. and it was just, you know, there's something starstruck is what it is exactly yeah, yeah. what it was, you know. Sergey, man, is another one, man. It's like, <laughs> holy, no, you know, just like who can, him and Hoken, Hockenberger, you know. Oh, did you I, see uh, what Hoken came out with, I think, uh, Shirley 14. 14 today? Yeah, because I was talking to John Lewis about that two days ago, because I've been, <laughs> I got to tell you a quick story. 
Because that's on my, check it out. There it is. It's sitting on my. Oh, head. yeah, yeah, right there. So when I was in radiation, I've been pra- I started practicing it again when I went through this. I go, well, I got to practice. Let me open the Sugar Lane book. And I hadn't right. played that in years and years and years. And I used to be able to play it, not incredibly, but I could get through the page. Sure. You know, I don't, with the, you know, with the exception of body, 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 with the exception right. of that. Right. You know, so I started practicing it. So when I was on the radiation table, and uh, I don't know in my mask. I'll can show you my mask. I'll put it away. Oh, here it is. So this is a radiation mask. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's yeah. when I wore, I'd be on the table, this would go over my head. Right. And they bolt you down to the table, and then they, you know, it's not, it's Hannibal Lecter, man. It's some weird yeah, right, right. thing. So while I was on the table, you kind of got to get into the zone, man, because it's it's a scary, uncomfortable, you got this mouthpiece and a tongue depressor, you know, so your mouth's open and you got this thing on and your head's pinned down and it's not fun. There's nothing yeah. fun. I know it sounds really fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing fun about this. Yeah. And then they're roasting you. You know, you don't feel anything, but it's, this thing is going around you and you think about what's going on. So to zone out, I would practice. I would, I would finger, you know, your head. Yeah. I'd be going. I'd be singing. Yeah. I would just go through the whole thing in my, yeah. in my mind, you know, and finger it. And as I got more comfortable doing it, I would forget about where I was. And I would either do that or they would put on, they always put on jazz when I was in there because they knew I was a jazz trumpet player. So, yeah. I, or either that or I would go, oh, that's an E minor. I would do some smooth jazz. So I'd jam to it. I'd just start going. In my mind, I would just, just keep playing good. <laughs> yeah. And it would make me forget about where. So while I was doing that, if you're ever in trouble on the table in there, all you have to do is go, or, or raise your hand, mm-hmm. or go, and they'll stop, they'll come out, they'll stop the thing and you know, make sure you're not choking, right. or, which I never really had to do. But I was, I guess I was kind of loud one time, and I was oh. going, you okay? I go, oh, okay. And they go, give us a thumbs up if you're okay. And I go, yeah. and then I did it again. Are you okay? <laughs> and so they left me alone. And then when they came in, they go, what, what, what was the noise you're making? I go, oh, I was practicing. <laughs> so I mean, they could give me something. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then so when I would be doing it again, they would, I would hear them over the loudspeaker. They go, what are you practicing now? <laughs> you know, so it became kind of a joke, you know. Yeah. I was in there, yeah. you know, 35 times, you know, so. And uh, so anyway, uh, I was I couldn't wait for to hear him because I know he's going through the book, and I couldn't wait. So John Lewis and I were talking about it a couple of days ago. Yeah. And he sent it to me. I said, "Goes wait no more. Here it is." Yeah. And then I heard it, and I just and I and I just I texted John back. I go, "F him." Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And on C trumpet. So yeah. He's a step higher. Yeah. He's playing them all a step up. Yeah. Well. And, and you'll never play in the same way again, right? I mean, his his phrasing on things is like, oh, that's how that's supposed to go. That, well, I said that yeah. when he played... Uh, oh, yeah. One, 12. Yeah. yeah. When he played that one, I, I, I text that and go, oh, that's how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it just, you know, it just he makes the most difficult thing, like Sergey, sound like it's nothing. Yeah. You know, and so those two... I mean, are just the premier soloists. You know, there's many, many great classical souls out there, but they're so in the forefront. You know, we get to hear yeah. them a lot. And and uh, they completely... I, I got to do one of those horn hangouts with Sarah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
And uh, and we did one with all trumpet players, and Sergey and Hogan were there, and Phil Smith and Chris Martin. And Holy and cow! And it was really, it was. I was just so honored to be sitting in that little cubicle. I took a picture yeah. of it. I go, hey man, here. I'm. <laughs> I mean, I can't even believe I'm here, man. It's like it was right, right. so cool, you know. Yeah, what a lineup! Holy cow! That that would have been. Uh... I would have just sat there and, and let everybody else talk and just soak well, it up, right? You no, know, Arturo did a lot of the talking, so... We, like, <laughs> was that a was, surprise? But no, he was great. He had a lot of great information, of course. And yeah. Arturo's very... He's a good friend of mine, and he lives closer. And mm-hmm. When I was going through my, my uh, stuff here, he gave me this, man, because I, I got to the point where I wasn't playing much. Oh, the sando valves. Or he brought me, uh, you know, I had the plastic one before, but I'd given it to a student. I told him I gave it to a student to use. So he brought me the, the newer one, which is really yeah. great, man. So when I, because when I, I didn't play for a couple of weeks after I got so sick, mm-hmm. so I just sit around and, you know, go do Clark's and the hard keys, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just kind of said, I'm going to work on my fingers, man. And this mm-hmm. is like a perfect little tool for that. They're a little bit stiff, so it's good for that for third valve mm-hmm. I go over the last part of that like just a bunch of times you know mm-hmm. I didn't buzz so much in it but because uh, it yeah. but man I just he just brought it by and he brought a real nice note with it so he checks in on me and anyway it was it was really cool to be up there like I said I pinch myself man what am I doing here you know just a lowly you know LA you know player here you know but I uh, I do feel fortunate, man, to have a little bit of notoriety. And, and uh, my mom, I wish she was alive still, you know, mm-hmm. because she was a very proud band mom, obviously. Yeah. 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 But it's very cool, man. I love what I do, man. And I I just, I'm so grateful to do it. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Wayne, um, I feel like we barely touched on stuff. I mean, you've got so much more. Would you be open? I, I, I want to you know, respect your time here. Oh, Would you be open to doing, uh, doing another one, uh, maybe in a month or so? Oh, of course, man. I, you know, and, and then we can talk about, uh, you know, drum corps and, and, uh, yeah, all, we could all the other a, stuff, you know, yeah, we can go into a whole nother, you know, talk about the trumpet a little bit more maybe. And then some, uh, yeah, some warm up things that I've discovered. And I, I mean, I learned all this post cancer thing. I've been through like three major tragedies with my chops. One was a, a dental issue. When I was working at Disneyland, that really screwed me up, and I had mm. to come back from that. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time. I was really messed up, man. Yeah. And then this cyst thing that came out in 2009, I was just going through a lot of emotional stuff. I was in the middle of a divorce and some mm. stuff, and I lost a bunch of weight. And and I got this cyst, and I had to take six weeks off of that. And I yeah. had to come back from that. And each of those things, I came back a better trumpet player, I feel. Mm. So this is my third kind of big tragedy, you know, yeah. and this is the biggest tragedy, you know, yeah. for me, this is the most difficult time of my life. Well, and let's hope it's the last one. Being in the middle of a pandemic and, uh, and just all the negative crap that happens on Facebook and all the BS and, and, uh, you know, it just makes you dark and, and then, uh, and then getting this cancer, you know, but like I said earlier, the timing was actually kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. Because work's just kind of starting and, yeah. and I'm back, you know, I wouldn't yeah. say I'm 100, percent but I'm I'm back and playing, and I'm and I'm doing some things that were really helping me. Uh, now that I can play again, helping me out of that book right there. I don't know if you can see that book, the Boom Method. Oh no, I don't know that one. You know, it's a it's a colleague of mine. 
I've been working on a Scott Feldman's book a little bit. Oh, yeah, great and, books. And, and, and I, I really want to dive into it more because I've neglected it since I've been sick here. But this book is uh, oh. there's a lo- local trumpet player here named Dan Rosenboom. And he's a younger guy. He's, I don't know, maybe he's 40. And, man, but he is a fine trumpet player, man, like an avant-garde soloist, but great yeah. classical player. Yeah. And he knows some stuff, man. And, and just a, his first couple of pages of this book, uh, I, I do these things now that I've been doing kind of religious. Can I show you? Yeah, please. And they're really good for your airstream, and they get you warmed up really quickly. And so what the exercise is, is basically all air attacks. So you do two C's. Mm-hmm. And then you start the thing and you go, you can see my fingers. Mm-hmm. It sounds like crap because you got to hold that. Right. You blow against the resistance of the wrong finger. Yeah. Yeah. And then you do the next, you know. Yeah. And you work your way down, you go up a third. Right. I don't go very high. I go, he goes up there. He can do it on high G. <laughs> so, what's the benefit? What have you well, noticed? Well, it, it focuses your airstream. Mm-hmm. It, it, it forces you to keep a focused airstream. So when you go back to the correct fingering, the note, it's locked, man. It's like that's the airstream required. Right. So right. a lot of times we back off on the airstream because the note comes out easy. Yeah. So he calls it activating the air. Mm-hmm. So what I found by doing that, <clears throat> like I'd neglected it because it hurt my throat to bend the notes before. Yeah. But I've noticed that when I do that, I'm warmed up quickly and it gets the cobwebs out of my sound. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets the sound mm-hmm. cleared and helps me mm-hmm. find the, the bullseye of every note. You know, besides just bending down, it, using the, roll, the wrong finger is the equivalent of bending up. Yeah. I try to do yeah. too. I, I do things like a. And find the middle of the note, you know, find the yeah. true color. Yeah, I've been doing that for a long time, but this thing takes it to another level, kind of. And so I really, I, I like it a lot. And, uh, you know, so I picked up a few things over the years, but that one really is something that became part of my arsenal very quickly. And John Lewis yeah. has been doing stuff like this for years. <clears throat> I'd hear more about him doing all these false fingerings like that. And, uh, yeah. And he, and he has the most centered <laughs> sound. I mean, John Lewis is just nails, man. He's just like, Everything is down the middle. Yeah. You know, every note, yeah. the way he goes from note to note. And I mean, that's, I think that's the goal. And as jazz players, you know, you know, we're not really taught like that. We're, we're taught to play the trumpet well and stuff, but we don't think about the meticulous side of the horn because we can get right. away with other stuff. But, you know, it's okay for us to go. find nowhere in the Arvids book that this says that's good articulation. <laughs> you know? But we can do that because it's part sure. of the sound of the music, you know. Yeah. So we neglect, you know, commercial players, like jazz players, we neglect that part of the horn. Not all, but some do, you know. I definitely yeah. did, you know. Yeah. But now later in life, man, I'm like trying to do this pristine 
more classical type player because that's what's required of my work. So I've been working on it for years. Am I a great classical player? No, but I've learned how to to make the right sound. And I listened. I've listened to these players play, and I've learned a lot. You know, from sitting there because sometimes I'm playing first, man. I I get called to play first, and it's them. You know, it's other people that maybe should be playing first on this particular score. But we can all kind of do the job, you know. And if yeah. something comes up that I really feel like I need to let somebody else play, <laughs> of course, I did that on this movie, you know, because just yeah. mainly because of my physical strength, but not just because of that, because there was certain things that like, oh, man, John's just going to play this better than me. Yeah, let him play it. Yeah, you know why not let him play yeah. or Rob or any of them actually you know Tom Wooten was playing fourth and you know we got <laughs> players there that can kind of do this yeah you know? so yeah. let them do it you know yeah and, uh, so you know you you mentioned though the key you said uh, you got there because you finally knew what it was supposed to sound like but that's that's you know really the key to everything is we can all make pretty decent sounds but unless we have that that oral knowledge right. You need to be able to imitate. Yeah. I mean, it should be easy to me. One of one of my pet peeves, and this goes for jazz players and classical players, is when you hear a classical sec brass section play something like, uh, I mean, you do, do you know how the Mary Tyler Moore theme goes? You're too young. I, I can hear it. No, no, I watched that so, show growing So up. it goes, bah, bah, da, 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 da. Oh, the Dick Van Dyke theme. Oh, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. I played that with a local orchestra here. A very good players. Oh, no. Now, everybody's heard that and knows how that goes. So that's just how it goes. Right? So you don't just look at that like, oh, I'm a classical player. I'm going to play this classically. But that happens a lot. Yep. Now, French horn players have an excuse. Violinists have an excuse. Because they're their instrument is not necessarily found in jazz as much, nor do they grow up doing that in general, mm-hmm. right? So they're used to looking at the looking for the beat, and they're used to analyzing every everything on the page exactly the way it's written, because that's what yeah. you're supposed to do. Yeah. But if you know how something goes, you wouldn't play that And that's how they played it. Yeah, yeah. And Warren Looning was playing first trumpet you know, in the, in the orchestra at the time. And, and I thought he was mm-hmm. just going to, he was just fit to be tied. And I said, <laughs> they just heard us play at first too. But we played it yeah. and they answered, you know. And uh, and I said, you guys know how this goes, right? That was my my comment. You, and they yeah. go, yeah, well, well, ours is not slurred. It's not marked slurred. And I'm going, yeah. but you know how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, and I and and not to just pick on those players because they're not all like that. Obviously, there are many great players that, that you know you you have to just go to where the music is best you can with your skill right. set. And if you know how it sounds, you should be able to imitate it to some degree of yeah. Maybe it's not exactly right, but uh, to some degree of you know excellence. And uh, you know it's the same thing in hearing hearing. Uh, Bob Malone was just calling me actually. Um, <laughs> But hearing, you know, a jazz player, oh, just the way, you know, maybe we play dotted eight sixteenths, you know, we go ba ba da instead of da 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 you know, we don't make enough importance of the middle note. Right. And that's the most important note. Right. Or whatever the piece is, you know. You're going, you know, they're doing Mahler 5. 
that don't, don't you know that note's important. Yeah, and absolutely. Where you hear, when I hear people doing it, I'll hear unnamed players. I don't want to mention the names playing that, and they're playing that middle note wrong. Yeah. I said no, you're not listening. Yeah. To exactly how that's supposed to go, you know. So even though you might be playing it very well. Yeah, the style's not right, and you know, along that line, uh, because of the nature of American orchestras, you know, I, I, once I got my C trumpet, I was playing C on everything. And then a few years back, I'm thinking, yeah, but we're doing so much pop stuff now in concerts. It's like, I'm using my B flat. It's the right sound. Right. You know, and it, I, used, it's, I, I used to think that, but now that I, when I hear John Lewis play pops music, we do Earth, Wind and Fire concert, you know, at the bowl with the bowl orchestra. Uh-huh. You know, with Earth, Wind, and Fire, and we had a lot of some of the licks and the thing. And John, we took a picture with the section, and he's playing C. And somebody commented, "Oh, we're playing C trumpet." And I, you know, I defended him, and of course, John said it's going to be okay because he played it great. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to hear him. I mean, he could play it on B flat just fine, but sure. his sound, his signature sound, is on the C trumpet. And I don't mean just classically. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he plays something commercial, he sounds really great. Or something Latin. He sounds great on the C trumpet, and it's got this mm. sparkle, and you know. And so that is true in some cases. When I play the C the trump- C trumpet, you know, no, my sound's going to be better on B flat, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I, I used to try to yeah. play. I just stopped doing it. I just, I love the sound of it though, especially on film calls when we're yeah. playing this stuff. We're playing that clarion thing, man. And yeah, these guys are playing C's. It's got a, it's it's more present. Yeah, it's not as wide. Yeah, but it's a more present sound, I think, and uh, it's hard for me to keep up with them when when they're cranking, and you know, because yeah. my sound is going this way more, and their sounds. So it's an interesting analogy, but I do agree with you in most cases. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Malcolm was kind of known for playing the smaller trumpets. He played a lot. Well, you know, when I started working with him, you know, he played a lot of E flat trumpet for comfort. Mm-hmm. because it would just, it would lend itself to some of the things he was playing and make it very easy. And then he would play it loud. I mean, he was loud on it, man. And uh, it would print very well. And unless he was playing by himself and playing something too low, mm-hmm. it would sound mm-hmm. great in the ensemble, you know? So mm-hmm. he did it because his batting average would just go up. He, <laughs> he said, you got to miss the note by a fourth, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, so he played a lot of E flat crumb, but then he would play C and, you know, on other things and yeah. Well. yeah. Um, John plays likes to play C trumpet. I mean, that's his mm-hmm. where he feels his voice is. Rob Shear, who's younger by comparison, he's forty. You know, um, he plays both B flat and C very, very well and crosses over mm-hmm. very well. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, the orchestra players that come in, you know, when people from Philadelphia, they always play C. Um, well, you said Tom was there today, right? He was probably there, there, the other day. He was, he was fourth trumpet the other day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, when I did West Side Story for the first time with the with New York Phil, they were all playing B-flats yeah. on it. And uh, I mean, you guys are playing B-flats. And Phil goes, that's what it's written for. Go back to yeah. everybody to play B-flats. I go, <laughs> well, you know, that's just not always the case. I said, if you guys, whatever you want to play, you're comfortable on it. I'm just playing on B-flat. That's you know, what I play, you know. Right. And, uh, and they played it on B-flats. It was great. You know, with the, with the L.A. Phil, they played uh, C's. I think, well, Jim Wilty played some of it. I did it with him the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and Tom Hootenbo, they played it. They, they, 
different cues on different uh, right on C or B flat. Right. And then uh, when we were in the studio, it was that as well. You know, Chris mm-hmm. would even say, "That plays on C, man, man. <laughs> Whatever, man. We're we're blending just fine here, you know." So, and uh, and it was really fun, but it was uh, quite a learning experience for me, man, to getting to sit next to players that play at this level in kind of their wheelhouse too, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I'm there. I'm just there basically for the mambo solo and, you know, cool. And, <laughs> and, but I had to play all the other stuff, too. You know, I played first trumpet right. most of it. I had Chris play a couple. I go, why don't you play this? You know, and uh, there were mm-hmm. just some things that are really delicate and he just owns it. Oh, yeah. You know? So I could, yeah. I could sit there and be nervous, you know, doing it in front of them or I could just have him do it. Right. I could take a break, right. too, because some of the things were just three trumpets. And mm-hmm. I could take a little break. And, you know, yeah. With uh, You said Dudamel was conducting? Yeah, David Newman conducted some of that. Dudamel conducted all of the main dates. Well, you know, I, I would love to have the opportunity to play mambo under him because you've seen those, those South am. American orchestras, right? Where the, I mean, they're just up and dancing and everybody's having such a great time. When, when I did and, the mambo, and the trumpet players are taking it up, you know. When I did the mambo solo, uh, there's a story behind this. When I, when I did it the first time, he, they wanted me to stand up because we had an audience at the recording session and the Obamas mm-hmm. were there. And it was, I got to meet oh, Rock wow. and his wife, man. It was like the most awesome thing ever. <laughs> but I still got to stand up and play this thing, and I got a big round of applause. You know? mm-hmm. And Dudamil came over and kissed me. <laughs> he gave me a hug and a kiss on the cheek, man. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it was just like, wow, man. And, you know, Right. And uh, right. he was very nice. I, I'm one of the dates I sat next to him uh, flying back on the plane and got to talk with him. And what a, just a cool guy. And what a funny that guy is so funny and his analogies really? oh yeah how he gets the orchestra to play his analogies and stuff and he'll like say something this is what this is you know and and, he, and he, he'll do some corny analogy seems corny you know but but then the next time around the string players sound better <laughs> sound even better you know yeah so yeah. it's really interesting watching him work so i asked chris i said man you've seen every great conductor man i go how does this guy rate he goes oh yeah he's one of the very very best wow i've seen yeah. And we did stuff without click, you know, some would click, but some without click. Mm-hmm. And his tempo, like if we did a pickup somewhere, he would hear the tempo before and he'd go, hey, here's eight counts. And it would be the exact same tempo. Nice. <laughs> and then, and he told the orchestra at one point, because we were so spread out, so far apart with a horn so far away, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, wasn't gelling. And he went, trust me. Trust me. Just trust this. Mm-hmm. And the next time around, everybody zoned in on him, man. Because you can trust him. You can't yeah. always do that. Yeah. Trust him. Yeah. He's going to be right. So anyway, <laughs> it was uh, all that being said, that's why that these gigs for me were one of the greatest things in my career. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the people I'm playing with, the movie, Yuan Racy played first trumpet on the movie. I got to study with him. He's my friend. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of sit in the chair that he sat in. Right. And then sit in the chair that P. Condoli sat in for the solos, the Mambo mm. solo and stuff. Um, it's quite a big, big deal for me, man. Anyway, yeah. it's like it's not just another guy in the office like it can be. It's a yeah. really, really, really big deal. Yeah, those Candoli brothers—they uh, weren't too bad. There's a video with uh, Red Nichols and Al Hurt and P. Condoli. Is, is it Pete? Yeah, it's, it's Pete. Pete and Don Ellis and. Oh my gosh! Or is it <laughs> just, Dizzy? 
Is it the one with Brown? No, no, no. This it's uh, it's Red Nichols Al, and and it's one of these old. It looks like they're on the Lawrence Welk show. I yeah, think yeah. It might be something like that. And I mean, everybody sounds great, you know, in their own style. And of course, uh, Al. I, the more I listen to him, I'm thinking oh. it's like Doc's sound. You know, Al's sound was just oh, and Doc and, and Al was a technician too, man. He can play yeah. the drummer. <laughs> yeah. There's no yeah. no discounting that. That's yeah. for sure. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, I I have a lot of fun doing this, and uh, I tell people, look, I'm not going to ask him what size mouthpiece he plays. You can find that out. You go to his website. You can email him. You can figure that out. And it's like, let's talk about the stuff that that matters, right? And and uh, and and I appreciate you sharing. You know, not everybody's open about about cancer and and things that are that. Uh, well, I mean, it, it can make you very vulnerable to talk about that sort of thing. Yeah, just a on for a second more i mean i'm scared uh, if i said i wasn't scared man i i mean i remained positive yeah and 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 knowing the outcome but it, this was the toughest this is the toughest time of my life by bar none yeah as much as that, that those sessions were the best thing i ever did this is the worst thing i've ever done yeah and i'm uh you know i'm scared because i'm not out of the woods yet because i haven't i have to wait till september to get a scan they have to let everything heal so there's no false negative right. positive. So right. to make sure we got it all. Now the prognosis is very good because the success rate is so high. And Terry Warburton, you know, he did exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. He was in stage four, three to four, and they got it. Yeah. So and I don't feel the tumor there anymore. Yeah. I don't even good. have to shave here anymore, which is weird. Because your hair stops oh. going here. This is so yeah. smooth now. My skin yeah. has never been softer here. <laughs> It's so weird, man. That's why I don't have to shave. So it's a, that's one perk. Yeah, well. So I just have to shave here now, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, I have a tuba player friend uh, who became a decimetrist. I don't know what that is. But... Well, you do, because they're the people that aim that radiation beam. Oh, that's what they're called. So, so those people that, are, that I'm uh, working with, my, I, just, I just call them my radiation attacks. Yeah. That's but, you know, doing. a dose, you know, they know how to dose out right. and they... And he was telling me, uh, so he goes from a tuba player, he gets this degree uh, and or certification, you know, now he's making 10 times what he'd make yeah. as a tuba player. But telling me just how precise they can be. I mean, he gets, you know, from the doctor, he gets, you know, where the tumor is. And then he figures out how much radiation and how long you can. And uh, how far outside of it to go. Because they have to protect us where, where cancer can go. They have to. Radio. Isn't that amazing? Oh, man. You know, I got to tell you, when this technology has come a long, long way, obviously, most people lose their saliva glands mm. from this. Many do. Many that I mean, I've talked to a bunch of people. I'm part of a head and neck cancer support group now. Mm -hmm. And we meet once a month. And, wow. on the, and they bring doctors on to talk. And and they're talking about, you know, the, but they can't sometimes when they're trying to get something where it's at, there's stuff in the way. And there's yeah. no... They try yeah. not to. They try not to get it, but but I still have saliva. I, my mouth's a little dry now because I'm talking a lot, but that sure. happens anyway. Sure. Um, but I feel very fortunate, man, because that's I've dodged a couple of bullets with this. My saliva mm -hmm. glands still seem to be functioning. I get dry Good. at night, so there's something. They, they did jack some things up a little bit. At yeah. night, I have to get up a couple of times and just have a glass of water, and I'm okay. And mm -hmm. a sip. Um, I dodged the feeding tube. I dodged the surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how religious you are. 
but I've never, you know, been overly religious, even though I, mm-hmm. I, I have some spirituality in me, of course. Mm-hmm. But man, I looked up and I said, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. For sparing those things. Thanks. Yeah. And a lot of, and a lot of really good stuff happened to me while I was going through this. Some other things that are just a couple of financial things and just some really great things happened that, that carried me through this. Not to mention all the positive energy and the love and the Facebook posts, man. Just thousands and thousands. I mean, it was like, I, I, have, I, have, I have so many cards here, man. I have hundreds of cards, hundreds. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just, and that carried me through all of this. Yeah. It really did, man. Well, that thank you video, right? With the song. My, my Tom Cruise wrote the song and my wife put the video together. And I didn't know when I was introducing that yeah. that the video was that. I oh. did not know. Surprised. That was great. So, that was great. Yeah, it was really... Uh, you know, but here's the thing is you, you see just how tight-knit the, the trumpet world is. I mean, and I'll, I'll attribute a lot of that to Ryan Anthony is being able to bring so many people together and... It's like we all rally around each other. You know, I may not know you from Adam, but when I find out that you've got this, it's like, I'm going to send him a note. I'm going to do, you know, I'll pray for him. You know, whatever it is, it's like people, people show up and people showed up and it was, uh, that's very cool. I have a, uh, my last text banter with, uh, with Ryan that I had with him because when he found out he had this cancer, he reached out to me. Hmm. And my cancer is a speed bump in the highway of life compared to what he was going through. Right. He right. acted like my thing was the most important thing ever. That's how he treated me. I, okay. I can speak exactly to that because I met him at an ITG. Um, it was either San Antonio or maybe it was Miami last year. But I went to the booth and I, I met him and I shook his hand. And I told him I had, you know, was a cancer survivor. But he, it was exactly the same thing you just said. You know, and I, I didn't go through radiation. I didn't go through chemo, but he, he absolutely made me feel like, I mean, he listened, he focused on me. I was like, that's, that's special. That's, we're we're all part of this really shitty club, you and I. Yeah. And, you know, other people I know, friends of mine, I have a dear friend, Kevin Guerin, a saxophone player is going through this. Yeah. He's good. Now he's he's got a new doctor, and they're trying some. Now they're experimenting, you know, to keep him alive. He's a young guy. Yeah. You know, but we're all part of this really crappy club. Yeah. That nobody wants to be part of. Right. And uh, but this club really looks out for each other. <laughs> it really does, because I mean, I have this friend Sandy. She's married to Alex Hyle, Sandy Kip, who's flute player, and we've always been friends. But she has. Chrome's disease, and she has this cancer that they're oh. just keeping at bay. She goes to she goes to chemo every week, and she will the rest of her life. Right, but it's she's doing really well. It's amazing. She always tells me her life is better having cancer than it was before she had it. Huh. And her and she reaches out. She reached out to me, and we speak on a regular basis now. And huh. my accountant, who I always talk to, he's going through stuff. Now we 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 talk. We don't just talk about that we're talking about the club we're in right and several other people like that now too and strangers that i've met that reached out to me to say hey i went through this what do you want to know so Mm -hmm. it's a tight-knit club that really thinks about each other and i made friends in the waiting room at radiation like (laughs) even such with everybody had their mask on you look at all the fear in everybody's eyes there and it's really Mm -hmm. 
scary, scary mm-hmm. thing. Spencer's not a fickle thing. It it'll hit anybody it wants to. It doesn't really. It doesn't really care. And it, uh, you know, at first I was saying, you know, why me, why me, and then I was thinking, well, why not me? Yeah. Why not me? I mean, yeah. I'm just another god on the on the on, a, on the pale on this little speck on the pale blue dot. <laughs> yeah, but you know, sometimes you think about the high profile life that you live as a as a trumpet player. But what this can do for others. I mean, see, this is, you can find the silver lining, right? You can think, okay, why not me? And I can make something good about this. That's yeah. what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to be positive and yeah. I've, I've been able to help a few people now. I have yeah. another friend of my wife's uh, that's going through this much more severe than I was going through whole face mm-hmm. cancer and radiation. And he's, he's, you know, having a hard time with it. Very painful. His tongue yeah. is all full of sores and, ugly you know so i'm trying to you know we've been sending them stuff that i had and mm. and talking to them on a regular basis and trying to keep him focused he's at the yeah. halfway point you know yeah yeah so so but we can uh, we can talk about this a little more next time and then we'll talk about some other you know some other trumpet geek stuff maybe a little bit you'll have to show me the the right fingering for the high a <laughs> First yeah okay, I'm gonna give you, i'll give you one little quick tip here Open your spit valves. Yeah. And push down one, two, and three. And if that doesn't work, pull your tuning slide all the way out and open the spit valves and see if you can fool the instrument into finding that false tone. Well, that's, that's kind of like how to, that's how I learned how to play high A when I was in high school. That's like that octave key on the rotary trumpets, right? You know yeah. that uh, that vent that they put on there. Right? So. It's something to be messed. Maybe turn your tuning crook upside down so the spit valve's on the top and uh, open it from there yeah. and change the nodal points and see if you can land the note. And then you'll know what it feels like <laughs> on the top. And I know this yeah. sounds like trickery and people are going to be going, he's a witch. Don't listen to him. <laughs> Burn him at the stake. Right, I'm right. telling you, I've had success showing some students this. Wow. Trying to get them over the break. Yeah. And yeah. my friend Kai Palmer, he couldn't couldn't play a G sharp, which I used to not be able to play either. And now I can play one. Mm. And I told him, you know, try opening the spit valve. And then he called me. He goes, man, dude, I pale the high G sharp. I go, what's he doing? He goes, two, three, and four. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So That's now great. you can do it without doing that. You kind of learn where oh, the right, right, spot right. is. I mean, G sharp is still not my favorite note. It's a weird, it's like, you know, it's your falsetto. So. Just like singers have trouble singing certain notes, yeah. they get into that break. And yeah. and my belief is that all has to do with the acoustical cavity, how high the roof of your mouth is, mm. how mm-hmm. far apart your teeth are. I think all of that is a factor in that. Sure. And uh, I, I'm not positive, but but that's what that's all I can think that it is. Yeah. People used to think, oh, you're an upstream or what? You know, it's all this. The air thing has nothing to do with it, man. It's how the vibrations going into the horn. And why is that note not landing? Why is that not on yeah. the scale? The piano yeah. has that note. Yeah. You know, so we have to figure out the right length of string. Yeah. For that so, note, and then maybe the roof of the mouth needs to be lower. Or, you know, who knows? I mean, but we figure out yeah. ways around it. Yeah. And you want to get Bobby Shue in on this and and uh, go back and forth on that one? Well, I'm not positive about that one because Bobby and I have talked about it a little bit. Well, I only say that because when I was talking to him, he was talking about all you know airstream and. And all that sort of thing, but uh, well, I mean, airstream. No, no. I mean, I, I didn't mean to say airstream is not important, but I'm saying oh. acoustics do have something to do with it. Oh no, no, yeah, 
Yeah. Bobby and I talked yesterday. We talked yesterday, the day before yesterday. Matter of fact, we we spin. He sends me all his articles before they're out and to read them. And I mean, I've got a, like a whole folder here of great yeah. Bobby Shue information. And I think he's the smartest trumpet player on the planet. What a nice guy! Yeah, he's, just, <laughs> he, he's helped me so much. I mean, and said some really kind things about me. He he put me up on some little blurb recently, and he mentioned my name with a lot of other flattering names to be mentioned with, you know, throughout our mm. history here. So I was, yeah, I was just kind of blown away that he thinks that of me, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> I took some couple lessons with him, you know, and, and whenever I have a problem, he's my go-to. What do I, when I had my yeah. sis, it's the first person I called, what do I do? Yeah. You know? So I had an aloe plant in my room and, and uh, <laughs> you know, I did all that. And then, you know, he had me, <gasps> Because I couldn't buzz my lips. And you go, well, how am I going to practice? You know, how am I going to keep my corners in shape? I'm going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, well, mm-hmm. no, you got to put your put your fingers up there. Like you have a mouthpiece there. Mm-hmm. He goes, it's different with the mouthpiece there. So my, you know, so. Right. So so I started doing that. And then it got to where that got, it got strong enough where I could take this away. Uh. Which I couldn't do that. You know, I don't have yeah. a lot of range or anything. But at least I could, could hold my corners in place. I could blow some air through. Yeah. You know. And yeah. so, and just, you know, I've gotten little just tidbits from him, you know, about a lot of things. And just, I just take them and run with them. Carl yeah. Saunders has given me little tidbits, too, about jazz playing. That he'll, he'll, when we work, he plays third trumpet on Family Guy, usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he'll always just play some little lick at me. He'll go, Starting on the seventh, going up and down. He goes, go up and down the horn, switch keys. Mm-hmm. He goes, it's so good for the fingers. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and think about it. You know, when you see, you know, you see a minor seven chord, man, you go, it leads you into this launching pad into the next lick. He goes, listen. Then he gave me ten examples of sax players doing that. Yeah. You know, and so I started doing it. I go, I'm in, right? So yeah. my wife can always tell when she hears me work on something. She goes, you worked with Carl today, didn't you? I go, yep, I sure did. You know, I'm, I'm, gra- I'm great. You know, I get to sit next to great players. I'm grabbing the information. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thanks for having and, me, man. Uh, I want to I, thank you. Thank this you is, before well, you thank me. Well, <laughs> no, no, because, thank you. This, because it was great. Wayne, stay healthy. You see you soon, man. Take care, brother. All right. Take care. See ya. Bye-bye. And that's where my interview with Wayne ends, but there is more to be heard. I excerpted a significant portion of this interview with Wayne, and that is available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. You can find out more about how to receive that benefit and others at patreon.com slash studiohfl. Again, to those who are already patrons, once again, you have my deep appreciation for your support. Another reminder to visit Apple Podcast and to leave both a star rating and a review, and please visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of Powell Music and has been supported by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, S.E. Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickett Blackburn. Once again, I'm your host, Larry Powell. Grateful that you spent some time here today with me and my guest, and be sure to come back next week to visit with another. Have a great day and see you next time.